Good afternoon. My name is Andrea Petu. I'm a professor at Central European University. And this is the podcast of the subcommittee of history of the Second World War of the Hungarian Academy of Sciences. Today, uh, my guest is Sinne Korrel from Oslo. For a long time, there was no photographs depicting the deportation of the Jews from Norway. In 1994, a photograph taken the 26th of November 1942 by Georg Fossum depicting a crowd witnessing the departure of a boat transporting 529 Norwegian Jews to Auschwitz was published. After the publication, it has gained significant place in the visual memory of Holocaust in Norway and has been used in newspapers, books, works of art and other publications. For three years, Harald Osgard Lund curator, collection and research of the National Library of Norway, and Sinne Korrel, historian and researcher, the Norwegian Center for Holocaust and Minority Studies, have arranged a yearly seminar on that particular photograph. At the first seminar in 2016, they talked about the significance of the photo together with the artist Victor Lind and poet Jan-Erik Wold, who have both used the photographs in their work. In the next seminar in 2017, they invited the journalist who was central in getting the photo out in public, together with eyewitnesses, historians and writers, and a philosopher, an art historian, and a social anthropologist. In November 2018, they arranged a seminar on histories of the photographs from Holocaust with Janina Struck, photographer and author of Portraying the Holocaust, Interpretation of Evidence, which was published in 2004, and myself. So this is the privilege to greet Sinne Korel in this podcast. Thank you, Sinne, for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. So why is this one photograph so important? I think um, we can start with the photo itself and what it shows. It shows a small group of people standing and they have their backs towards the photographer. And in the background, you see a ship and then you see the skyline, the horizon created by the city structure. And uh, as you said, it was taken by, by Georg Fossum. He was an ordinary man, not a professional photographer, and he was instructed by the resistance to photograph everyday life in Oslo during the occupation. And then he said after the war, he got a tip to go to the harbor on the 26th of November 1942. And he took this photo among two other photographs. And then it's depicting the deportation of the Jews from Norway on that day and um, but his career had to go into hiding and the film was never sent to sweden and in the early 1990s there was a journalist called Liv hegna who visited the museum in vanse and she saw a black space where there should have been a photograph from norway so she went back to norway and she started this search through her newspaper and in january 1994 this photo emerged and uh, then we're on to why is this photo important? And from the mid-90s, corresponding with the time that this photo became public, there has been a lot more written about Jewish history in Norway during the Second World War. And most publications now use this photograph. So uh, we have wanted to discuss what is it we see in this photo and also to try to look into the history of the photograph itself. But we also 
have been examining how we read this image. And as it is an iconic photograph, we hardly stop to look at those photos. We think we know them. We think we know what they represent, but this is what Harald and I have wanted to investigate. How many Jews lived in Norway before the Holocaust and uh, what has happened to them? And how do we know what has happened to them? When answering that, I can begin with the fact that the state population census uh, from the 1930s, from 1930s, says that it was uh, about 1,300 members of uh, the religious Jewish community in Norway at that time. And then we have numbers of Jews living in Norway when the Germans occupied Norway, ranging from 1,800, uh, that was in 1987, and then the number was, this is a research number, what the researchers think, and the number was adjusted to 2,100 in the 1990s, and then the latest number is 2,500. And this means, of course, that it's depending on who you want to categorize as Jewish. But we know that there was approximately 300 uh, recently arrived refugees from Germany and Central Europe. And we also know that when Jews in Norway had to register to get their ID cards stamped, marked with the letter J for Jew in January 1942, approximately 1,500 people were registered. Uh, you are um, a researcher at the Holocaust and Genocide Center in, in Oslo, and your own research is about the economic consequences of the Holocaust in Norway. So uh, you picked up family stories. So what kind of families you have chosen, why, and what kind of sources do you have to talk about the consequences of the Holocaust in Norway? There was a law in on the 26th of October in 1942, the same day that Jewish men over 15 years of age were to be arrested. And this law stated that all Jewish property now belonged to the Norwegian state. So my sources are, first of all, the material documenting this process, both the original confiscations, the confiscations made during the war, and also the first restitution immediately after the war. And this material is um, because of an archival series system where uh, the office that took over immediately after the war, they continued to build on the original documents from the confiscation. So these files now can tell us both about what happened during the war and the first restitution immediately after the war. But you can say it's records managed or maybe not managed that good through the life cycle of these archives. So you must assume that there have been a lot of records transferred, getting lost, so we don't get the whole picture from these records. And um, the deficits are, the, these are files on individuals or families or households and sometimes also on businesses. And, and um, the first deficit is that some families and some individuals, especially north of Trondheim, which is a large city in the middle of Norway, 
a lot of Jewish families got their property confiscated by the Germans before October 1942 and the Norwegian law. And um, I must just assume that a lot of these early documentations um, have got lost. So I see when I look through these archives, I find a lot of empty files. I find a lot of misplaced documents, misplaced within families so that documents belonging to one family member is in another family member's file or even more randomly than that. And then we also have, if you think that this is not only about the confiscation of property, but more about the economic consequences of the persecution of the Jews. We have um, the fact that lawyers and doctors were banned to practice their occupation in 1941. We find that the handing over of businesses or maybe sums of money or other valuables, this was uh, handed over to non-Jews. And of course, this could not be done officially. So there are no traces of of those exchanges in, in these archives that I'm primarily working on. Then we also know that the regime kept some businesses, some successful businesses going, but maybe did not run them very well, or at least not with concern for the long-time consequences, so that some of the owners who survived uh, the war, um, especially Norwegian Jews, survived by escaping to Sweden, when they returned in 1945, they had a disadvantage when they got their business back. And also, and very importantly in Norwegian debate these days, which we will return to, is the fact that uh, these Jews who escaped over the border to Sweden often, very often had to pay for this escape and pay large uh, and quite substantial amounts of money several years salaries in some cases. So to supplement these archival sources, I'm, I'm looking at um, local population censuses uh, and tax registers. I try to look at how the affected people were situated economically, their socioeconomic status, their history of emigration, their ties to the society around them. All this I can read from the local population censuses and uh, we also have a wonderful digital collection at the national library which actually in the last couple of years have digitalized all books published in Norwegian up until a few years ago and all newspapers so you can search with different search words and, and get a lot of information that way and I'm also thinking about doing interviews working with oral history. But I still think, uh, even if I have all these possibilities, I also have to be very aware of uh, the deficits that are built into the material. But I have tried to go through a lot of the files and uh, look for things that I find important and then find families or individuals uh, who can illustrate the, the things that I want to highlight. And working that way, I have uh, found uh, so much more, of course, because when you start to look in depth into a person's life, you, you find more than you knew that you were looking for. 
So this iconic photograph, you are dedicating um, a series of seminars at the National Library in Oslo, actually shows the moment when the boat departing the harbor of Oslo and uh, some unidentifiable inhabitants of Oslo are just looking at the direction where the uh, boat is departing. So it has got this melancholic kind of helplessness, which is coming from this photo. So that is, I think, one of the reasons why this became an iconic photo. So let me ask the question about what the Norwegians know about the deportations, because there are several uh, narratives about the about the story. But of course, the fact that they were taxis, which were collecting the Jews for the deportation obviously signals that it was a, a widely known fact what's happening with the Jews. So how is your research uh, helping you to respond to this question? So what did the Norwegians know? And I think um, they did not know as much as they could have known if the illegal newspapers had uh, published more news about uh, what went on, especially since the summer of 1942 with the uh, you got death numbers from Poland 700,000 you had news about uh, the gas chambers you had news about the deportations from the west of no- of Europe and um, this was not made public by the illegal newspapers and also not by, by the radio broadcasts uh, from the government in exile in London. On the other hand, when you think about what did the Norwegians know, I think it's interesting that we had these political refugees that I mentioned previously from Germany and Central Europe. Among them was Willy Brandt, who after the war became a very prominent politician in West Germany. And Brandt was, um, in the 1930s, he was member of uh, the left-wing socialist Labour Party, SAPD, in Germany, which was a small party politically situated between the Social Democrats and the Communists. And it was a small party, but a lot of the party members came, um, went in exile and came to Norway in the late 1930s, and several of them were Jewish. And in Norway, they had... Uh, helpers, they had contacts, they had refugee organizations, um, there was uh, pro forma marriages uh, to help them stay in Norway. And uh, these networks uh, published a lot of books, they went on book tours and talks and arranged meetings. So I think for a broad section of the labor movement in Norway, they knew that Nazism was a threat. Uh, there was a, a lot of articles and books and publications that in hindsight seen afterwards are very clairvoyant. So I think we must imagine this knowledge as on a wide range where at least uh, a lot of people knew that um, when actions were taken against the Jews, uh, it didn't mean well. And when you ask about the taxis, I think it's uh, quite interesting to look at the work of uh, one of the artists that we had at the first seminar, Victor Lind, uh, who first in a photography, uh, photography from 1998, which is called Contemporary Memory, I'll Bring You Home, he lined up 100 taxis in Oslo, in the street outside of the former police station. And then two years later, he had two other works, one called uh, Oslo by Night, The Stars, 
which is a dark blue map of Oslo with lights where the deported Jews lived. And then he continued with the taxis. He made a video and sound installation, which is uh, possible to see online. So we'll make sure that the listeners of the podcast can look this up online if they want to. This installation was called Who is Afraid? Contemporary Memory. And it shows on Thursday, the 26th of November in 1998, 20 years ago, he pre-booked 100 taxis to line up in this road outside the former police station between 4.30 and 5 o'clock in the morning. And when I look at that um, video installation, I am reminded that 100 taxis, as it was in Oslo, is a quite impressive sight. There are a lot of cars. And I think it connects us to um, this issue of visibility that Holocaust was acted out in landscapes, in cities. It was surrounded by people. And we know about some of the German camps in sites like Buchenwald um, being very close to where ordinary Germans lived. Um, and then it's also this idea that the photo is in a way, as I say, it's uh, it's taken after the fact. It's a little bit unclear. It's looking at the boat. Things, things have already happened and it has this melancholy, almost, yeah, some, some would call it peacefulness. And I think it's very important to problematize this concept of peacefulness because we have had this idea in Norway for a long time that the deportation was peaceful. And um, in the 1980s, when writing about this, in one of the history works that I've been studying previously, uh, the historian writes, in Oslo, policemen arrived by taxi to many Jewish homes. It therefore seemed very peaceful. And he continues, it is characteristic that Jews who were arrested to be taken away did not protest or resist. And he concludes that the fate that met the Jews of Norway was the biggest tragedy. So this is the old way of portraying what happened to the Jews. And in saying that it was characteristic that they did not protest, he's also expecting that the Jews should have protested or resisted. And this has also often been the case that you have had this debate in Norway where you ask, uh, why didn't more Jews flee? Why didn't they see what was coming? And this is connected to the issue of knowledge, who knew what, because on the other hand, the fact that one has assumed that, that the policemen, the Norwegian policemen did not know about the gas chambers and did not know about Auschwitz. This um, is issue of knowledge has turned out very differently for the policemen and the Jews. The Jews should have known, the policemen couldn't know. And did the resistance know? Because that's the recent debate uh, following uh, publication of a new book about uh, the knowledge of the resistance. So what was uh, their responsibility? What was their knowledge about the fate of those Jews who were taken by taxi to de the deportation? I think the, this debate is uh, quite strong in Norway now. And I think from an outsider's perspective, you may wonder uh, why haven't we had this debate before? And I think it's very interesting that n no historians have 
investigated thoroughly this issue of what did the, the Norwegian public know, not only during the occupation, but already in the 1930s with the Hitler and what was going on in Germany. Um, but of course, also during the occupation. And, um, and I think that this is, um, the debate now is very much focused on the issue of escape and the resistance ability or interest in helping Jews escape. But I think also important is what I mentioned previously about the illegal newspapers and the possibility of informing the Norwegian public through these widespread and widely read illegal newspapers, what was going on. And um, that could have been done also from the government in exile over the radio. And of course, uh, that would have informed a lot of uh, people, people who could have done something differently, maybe in October and November. And I think this also this issue about the peacefulness is uh, very depending on who actually was able to tell this story after the war, because uh, Almost all the Jews who were deported were killed. There were 772 people, deport, Jews, deported from Norway and only 38 survived. And um, so the story about these arrests and the taxi from the Jewish perspectives are almost non-existent. And when this uh, poet, Jan Erik Wall, who was the guest of our first seminar, when he in a book describes one of these arrests of um, Ruth Mayer, who is uh, the person he's writing about, he's uh, basing his uh, story on the testimony of a neighbor. And this neighbor told him that the arrestation was brutal. Two Norwegian policemen dragged the, the Austrian Ruth Mayer was from Austria, down the stairs to a car waiting in the street. She was thrown in the back seat where there already was a young girl lying dissolved in tears. And so I think that this idea of the peacefulness is, um, is something that has been in the history of writing for a long time. And um, we must be aware of it when we, when we look at the photo to see what is photographed can tell us about and what it cannot tell us about. Thank you, Sina Korea, for sharing with us the recent debates about the Holocaust in Norway. And especially, uh, I cherish the story about the photograph, which really changed the representation and the memory of the Holocaust in Norway. And uh, my name is Andrea Petter. This was the podcast of the Subcommittee of History of the Second World War of the Hungarian Academy of Sciences from the CU Podcast Studio. Thank you, Sinne, for your participation. Thank you very much.